Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that hour with Bob Broshide, Director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Let's go right back to the phones. Now we're joined by somebody that I'm not even sure who it is. I think I've talked to them in the distant past, and we may have hooked up, but he either calls when I'm not here or he has somebody else call. What One of our favorite contributors, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. That was a heck of an, uh, an entry right there. Please. Well, you know, we're doing our, our Masters of Ice Fishing series, and, yep. and we've had Dave Gentz and Bro Brosdahl. Uh, later today, we're going to have Steve Panaz. But we certainly have some local talent like yourself right here who belong right in that group. And the weather looks like it's cooperating, Nate. Uh, people think because we're going to get in the 40s the next few days, really with the sun at the low level and with the time of year we're at and the cold nights, we're going to get ice on the front range very soon. And we already have it in the mountains. And I'm sure since I had to go on assignment in Hawaii last week, I got kind of behind. So I'm going to let you bring me up to speed. Well, first off, Terry, I appreciate that. There's no doubt uh, that the ice fishing industry is growing, you know, dramatically or dramatically fast here in Colorado. But I don't know, everywhere across the country, the, the ice fishing industry is just blowing up. And obviously, there's uh, a lot of people that have founded the industry, like yourself and a lot of these guys. And uh, I appreciate uh, you bringing my name into that mix of that crowd. So thank you for that. And uh, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, ice fishing's here, and I think it's, it's great. So I would say... You know, looking at where where I've been fishing and kind of keeping an eye on the mountain lakes, things like that, I would say that some of the lakes were well ahead of schedule as far as getting ice, and some lakes are right on time. You know, so like Antero had fishable ice, you know, dramatically earlier than, than normal. I mean, you know, being able to, to fish a good portion of the lake in November is pretty unheard of. You know, we always can fish bays or kind of sneak out, uh, but we had legitimate good ice there, you know, as early as November, so that's kind of neat to see. So we're, we're definitely ahead of schedule in some lakes, uh, and some lakes, I'd say, we're right on time. So we're not behind schedule, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, we keep getting a lot of questions about the front range ice. Everybody keeps asking, when's going to try to worry about the temps? And you hit the nail on the head. The nights are cold, and even though the days warm up, ice actually, this time of year, it, it makes ice faster than it loses ice, so it's nice. So you build it during the night in those cold temps, um, and the day has effect on it, but it's by no means uh, what a springtime sunlight and UV does to ice. So I think we're, we're looking great for the front range. And, you know, that being said, talking to a couple other people that had some questions about this, so, you know, it's great to address right now, um, I would rather see the ice hold off until mid-December, like right now, um, you know, even approaching, you know, the, the 20th, something like that, um, to build that ice. The, the worst thing that we have, and we had this last year, is getting really early ice in the front range. So when you talk about, you know, your whole front range fisheries, from, you know, Fort Collins, uh, you know, Pueblo, wherever we have ice, um, when that ice freezes super early, and then we get these little warm spells in December, um, and the ice starts to kind of deteriorate, all of a sudden it's harder to rebuild good ice. Once it has a cap on it, it freezes much slower than it does. So a lot of times we get early ice, and then it kind of goes bad, and then we get another cold snap, but it already has some insulation on it with some snow, and it can kind of make for a rougher season. That's where I would rather 
wait for that first freeze to happen mid-December like we're going to have right now, um, and then go from there. It, just, it really makes the ice grow faster um, than any of the other situations. So I, I would say that, that everything, as far as on my ends and from what I'm watching and looking at, um, we're looking really good for this front range. Right? So I kind of love to see it starting basically right now and, and continue to build. So everything's good there, and I know a lot of guys are I'm really not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to, want to promote it. I think we're still, you know, a week or 10 days out from the ice that we do have on some of the front range stuff. So just be safe if you are sneaking out on that. Um, but right now, if you have uh, the Hinkley ice fishing, the mountain lakes are fishing very well. And Terno, um is absolutely at a, at a high point like it was in 2007. Big fish, numbers of fish. Um, it's fishing great. And a lot of guys hit that early ice and late November and early December, and some people were struggling catching fish, and really, it, it's, it's understanding the fishery, and a lot of guys were struggling catching these fish, and they're like, oh, man, it's not fishing good, it's going to be a winter, but we had such early ice that those rainbows and, and the couples were really, really shallow, um, just because it's a tendency that happens in Ontario. You get browns and kokanee salmon spawning on the shoreline in extremely shallow water, and it draws a lot of those bigger rainbows into that shallow water to feed on their eggs. So every year that we see that real early ice at Antero, you see these fish go dramatically shallower, and a lot of anglers overlook those fish. They don't target them in that, that two, three feet of water. Um, so they go out to their normal six, eight, ten feet of water, and they miss them, and they think it's going to be slow. But those fish now are done on that shoreline, or, or a lot of them are done on that shoreline. Um, so those rainbows now are kind of retreating out to their normal depths, and that's why you're seeing the fishing dramatically increase, uh, just more for more fish spread out to where all the anglers are now, you know, running into fish, catching fish uh, for that type of situation. So, again, big fish in Antero, a lot of the traditional fisheries, you know, your Georgetown, Evergreen Lake, Carryall, um, are all producing just good, catchable, you know, numbers of fish. Um, so I'd say we're, we're off with a bang here on the Colorado ice season. Well, I think you made a point about Antero, and that point gets repeated at a lot of lakes when they first freeze. Um, you know, people will remember that they finished up the season last year catching rainbows, especially maybe down down in uh, 18, 12 feet of water, you know, depending on the lake and the what the forage is. But even on lakes that don't have the salmon, and sometimes there's browns that have been spawning, but there's other insect life and things too that sometimes stays more active. Uh, a lot of times those rainbows on all these lakes can be fairly shallow people tend to start out too deep ice fishing for rainbows i agree 100 percent. you know and i think the the time of season is everything and you know when you talk to the the average angler even the hardcore angler but you talk to an ice angler and they say oh man early ice last year i was doing this and they want that pattern to repeat and a lot of times to be honest they really do repeat themselves but the problem is early ice can sway by six weeks, you know, everybody thinks that early ice, they use that term, but really it's just first ice. And, you know, there's times where, like this year, Antero's, you know, fishable on the ice in, you know, early mid-December, or excuse me, early mid-November, and then other years it might be middle to late December before you have that. You can get these massive swings on when the lakes freeze, and that's really going to determine where these fish are at. So guys will build a pattern one year and then go repeat it on first ice the following year, but the, the sequence of the calendar and temperatures and, you know, moon cycles can totally be off um, and really deter where those fish are at. So, again, the, the patterns a lot of times repeat themselves, 
But instead of making a mental note of where you were, what you're doing, write down those notes. You know, use your, your calendar on your phone. Hey, you know, my, my first trip to Antero or the doing of you, you know, whatever it is, you know, was on this date, and this is how I caught these fish, and this was that pattern. Because um, all of a sudden, that type of stuff will repeat itself. But, again, a mental note of first ice can really sway, you know, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, things like that, and can change that bite for sure. What are you seeing on some of the other more popular ice fishing destinations like 11 Mile? Yeah, it's good. So you got to be kind of careful. 11 Mile did, I'd say, what it does in almost every single year. It froze in blocks. So obviously you're far west into the reservoir, froze first. Uh, so that ice is the fast. We're going to say everything from like uh, like Cross Creek and all those sections there. Um, froze first. The ice is better there. All your coves froze really well early. Uh, North Shore, Shore froze really early. And then your main lake froze after that. So I would say you're going to have three different thicknesses of ice and three kind of conditions on that body of water. Um, but the fishing seems to be good. Same thing, the fish are just barely gathering right now. Um, so I would say that, that that bite is increasing daily as the fish kind of gather into what we consider their winter patterns. Um, but, they, but they are fishing a good portion of the lake. Um, I wouldn't say we're seeing a ton of guys venturing out for the kokanee right now. It usually takes conditions to settle a little bit before all the basically the planktons kind of gather and those really kokanee schools gather up. Um, but I'm anticipating, I think, one of the better kokanee uh, winter fisheries that we've had at 11 Mile in the past several years this year. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. But they are catching pike, they are catching trout. Um, but again, the conditions are, are good. Um, just be cautious of where you're going as as those conditions did freeze in different times. So you might be on seven, eight inches of ice somewhere, and you might be on three and a half, four, you know, 100 feet away, um, just as those conditions change as you move around the lake. Um, so you just got to be well aware of that is, and, and check the ice very, very often as you're cruising. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions. I know I'm not going to get quick answers, but I'm going to ask. <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, one, I'm going to ask you about presentation, and I'm going to ask you, uh, give me a couple ice fishing Christmas gifts. But one, people head out this time of the year. We haven't got our walleyes and our crappies going yet, so they're fishing the mountain lakes or even the lower elevation foothills lakes for rainbow trout. What are your what's your favorite presentation when you're chasing rainbow trout? You know, right now it's all about being active to me. So these fish are still full of energy. Uh, so the oxygen levels are huge. They're well fed. Um, so this in late ice, these fish are cruising around a lot. So I see a lot of people still fishing, but being super active just because if you have a really active presentation, a lot of movement, you can draw fish in from a long ways off. You know, the reservoirs I'm fishing, Ontario 11 Mile, your visibility is tremendous. These fish can see a bait from a long ways off. So for me, it's all about that, that higher energy cadence. So I'm doing a lot of swimming style baits like jigging wraps and chubby darters. Um, I'm using a lot of tube jigs, but I'll actually overweight them. So I might use an inch and a half or two inch tube jig, but I'll really step up my weight so I have more weight to where I can work the bait more aggressively. I can really snap that rod and get that bait to dart side to side. So for me, it's all about a lot of movement just to draw those fish in. The fish are cruising around. They're high energy. um, So you can really get away with a lot of action that I can't get away with say, in later January or early February. Um, so right now for the trout, it's all about that, that high-action presentation. All right. If you were out there, if you had an ice fishing uh, member of your family you wanted to buy a couple Christmas gifts for, give me some ideas. 
You know, I, I think there, there's a lot of different levels. Obviously, the ice fishing industry has kind of kind of taken off. So, uh, number one, I think staying warm. That one of the coolest things. Obviously, a lot of guys have been following me. You know, I've been doing a lot of stuff with sheath underwear. They have a new base layer out that is probably the the best base layer I've ever worn. Simply for the fact that I'm an active angler, so a lot of times most base layers, long underwear, things like that, I tend to sweat too much in, and then I get cold. Um, this base layer, guys, they, they hit the nail on the head with a, a lot of different blends of material, um, and it's awesome. TC warm, and I don't get that kind of sweaty fatigue feeling with wearing it. So the sheath base base layer is probably one of my top items there. Um, the, the very simple stocking stuffer is wool socks from Bass Pro. They do a lifetime warranty on their socks. Uh, so you keep your information so you can really buy a pair of socks and it'll, it'll last you the rest of your life. Uh, so these $10 socks from Bass Pro, I think, is always a top thing on the Christmas list. Uh, we get a lot of you know people asking about those type things. So I think that's a, a huge thing. And then... Uh, you know, big purchases, obviously, like ice fishing electronics and augers. Those are probably the two biggest things that, that can really increase uh, an angler's productivity is having electronics and then having a drill to, to move around often. I think in the drill world, everybody is pushing hard on the electric, whether you're using like a clam conversion kit with, a, you know, a DeWalt style drill or you're using like a Jiffy electric. You know, all the manufacturers now have electric, um, and that's probably the hottest trend. I can't say that I'm on that trend, I'm not a real big electric guy. Uh, I think a lot of things in life that electric, you know, my iPhone charger is always dead, you know, this, that. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely a gas auger kind of guy. Uh, but the, the electrics are amazing. There's no smell. They're very quiet. Um, there's a million different perks of, of why those electric augers are the, the number one selling augers out there uh, in the industry. Um, so I think that's probably one of the hottest trends that you're seeing right now as far as the, the, the purchases of a bigger item. Okay, we got to run, Nate, but... Um, your ice addiction tournaments are coming up. I know you'll have more for us later, but well, how can people find information? Definitely. Just go to the website. You can go to the tightlineoutdoors.com. You can sign up. You can purchase a ticket. It makes a great stocking stuffer. Uh, but yeah, ice addiction, uh, all that stuff is up and running. Tickets are for sale, but everything's at tightlineoutdoors.com. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next talk week. Soon. Thank you. But Nate Zielinski, always a great contributor to this show. And we just... Uh, we would just we just love having him on. We're gonna take a quick time out. When we come back. We're gonna be joined by Hall of Fang angler Steve Panaz as we talk more ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones as we are being joined by Hall of Fame angler. Uh, he's, you see him in the, is the host of, uh, Lake Commandos on television right here in this area and nationally. And also I just saw you, Mr. Steve Panaz on a commercial in the studio here on Altitude, which my shows used to air on. So you're everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, we do an ice fishing vignette uh, called Stone Cold Fishing and it does air on Altitude, which is which is cool to hear that they're uh, running spots on it. Yeah, it was just on. Of course, I have a fondness there. I've spent uh, many years. My shows aired on that network. Um, you know, uh, I was just thinking about a group of anglers that we go back uh, two, three, two, three decades, back to the early 80s, kind of revolutionized ice fishing. I was fortunate to be part of that group. But a lot of us worked hard to get notoriety. You kind of exploded onto the ice fishing scene. And just first of all, you... You win like your first tournament, and then you become a national champ, and you're part of Team USA and fish the world. Uh, you just really kind of ice fishing. You just grabbed onto it and fell in love with it, didn't you? 
Well, I grew up in, in Minnesota, and really it, it's a culture there. And ice fishing just was in my blood from the beginning. And I, I'm a competitive guy. I think a lot of anglers are. And I think one of the things that uh, really came together for me was having success early. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really uh, kind of pushes you to, put, to even fish harder when you're, when you're having success. But, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Ice fishing is an incredibly fun sport to be uh, out on the ice, uh, especially nowadays with the uh, technology that's available and, and, the, and the clothing and the, and, the, and the shelters. It's just it's fun, it's comfortable, and it's productive. Well, I was fortunate that I spent the first half of my life in northern Minnesota, but Karen says I never grew up, so I can't say I grew up there. But <laughs> but I did. You know, I started ice fishing on a little bucket with a, you know, a pool stick for a rod, or and and we uh, we if, the, if we weren't catching the fish, they weren't biting. We didn't even know if they were there. And then, of course, came the electronics and the clothing and the shelters, and it's just gotten better and better. And I think you and I can attest to what uh, the portability of the shelters and the use of electronics did for ice fishing. But things are they haven't stopped progressing. In fact, one of your favorite topics is shelters. And you, you know, I'm a big fan of the flip over style shelters, but both the flip over and the tent style have their place, don't they? They do. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of anglers fish from vehicles like a small pickup truck or a, even a car or an ATV. And in most cases, there isn't room to hold a larger, um, you know, flip over style house. And so the hub style is, is an extremely nice, option they pack up small they weigh just uh, 20 30 pounds or more and and they fold out and they're big enough for three or four anglers and they provide a, a great shelter so that hub style really is a great option and i actually i own hub and the flip over because there's times when one's better than the other well and you know you're absolutely right um i started you know one day my first dave gents wife sewed my first flip over type shelter it goes back like a million years and and uh and we revolutionized and we were all single uh shelters so we could really move around the lake and and get around and be portable a lot of times you know here in colorado we can use we can drive on some lakes and we can use atvs on some and snowmobiles and some a lot of the front range lakes here we have to walk well i love pulling my my flip over shelter because i load the stuff in it and then I pull it out on the ice, and I don't lay much out on the ice except my electronics and maybe my auger are laying next to me. And then if I need to move, I'm not picking up a bunch of stuff. But the hub sh- but one of the things those individual shelters did, Steve, was they took away some of the camaraderie of ice fishing. They did. I think a lot of guys were wearing headsets, and now with cell phones, you stay in a touch a little bit more. But, yeah, that was one of the challenges with the single houses and so most of the ones that I own now are actually uh, two-man houses so I can go out with friends. Yeah, I agree. But the hub style is really kind of reignited, you mentioned that, and taken off, where a group will go out and they'll set up the hub and they can fish in there and get warm, but then they'll spread out and kind of spoke wheel out from that and still be portable and cover a big area. Yep. And, you know, what's interesting is Frable actually came out with a new design in hub styles this past year. They got one that's called the Fortress. And one, if you look at the design of a typical hub house, you pull out the sides and it pops out. You got your four sides in the roof and you're and you're set up. The challenge with the older style houses is that the, the bottom of the base actually goes back in, so it limits the amount of space that you have inside the house. But they've developed this new technology now where the bottom of it actually continues to go out, so 
it's more, I'm not going to say a teepee style, but it's got a much wider base than roof. And it increases the size of the fishable area by over 50% inside the house. And it's really uh, allowed you to actually add another angler or even two inside the, uh, inside the, the hub. And it's, uh, it's a pretty cool technology. It's a really pretty cool house. No, it's, you know, people need to stop by the local stores and look at these. And, and which Fraybill house was that? It's called the Fortress. And it's a, it's a hub-style house. All right. And so people need to stop by and look. I want to move in because we have a limited amount of time today. And I mentioned how electronics revolutionized ice fishing, how you not only knew if fish were below you, but you could see them responding to your presentation. And, you know, just when you thought that probably you couldn't take any more steps in electronics, Garmin has come out with some things that have just taken it to another level. Tell us about that. You know, uh, yeah, it, Garmin Pan Optics is, is um, I used it for the first time on ice uh, two years ago. And we're on a small body of water in Minnesota, and we're looking for suspended crappie and suspended sunfish in about 18 to 22 feet of water. And with Pan Optics, what it allows you to do is look sideways and, and do it in a way that's really uh, uh, detailed but also accurate. And so it's a narrow beam transducer. So we we insert this uh the panoptics transducer beneath the ice and spin it. And we could look up to a hundred feet in any direction. And all of a sudden we'd be, Oh, Hey, between here and that pine tree, 60 feet out, there's a school of fish. And uh, you turn a little bit more Oh, here between here and that white house, there's a, another school of fish at 30 feet. And uh, I mean, and we'd go over and drill on top of these fish and boom, we were on these fish. And I was constantly amazed. That was live view forward in panoptics. And then you'd switch, you get on fish, and you'd switch it over to live view down. And, and, you know, in the old days, we used to think that the narrow beam transducers were really the best because it gave you the target separation and, and uh, the good viewing. The problem is if you're in 18 feet of water with, a say, a 12-degree transducer, you're looking at about three, four feet of the bottom. Uh, with panoptics, you're looking probably at, at 20 to 30 feet of bottom. And what we were finding is not only could you find fish easier you were seeing fish that you would never have seen with the old technology and you know what i'm finding is we get a we get rejected a lot more than we think we do because the only fish we've ever seen on sonar are the ones that were within you know that had responded to our presentation they're two three feet away from our bait now we're seeing these fish that are swimming by us and and it's really opened up a new frontier for us to figure out okay we're catching these fish that are coming up to the bait, but how do we trigger these fish to respond that are not responding, the ones that are swimming 8, 10, 12, 15 feet away? And Panoptics has really changed my, my entire view on ice fishing. You can watch them real time. They're a lot more active underwater than I ever thought. And, I mean, even one fun time on Mille Lacs uh, in northern Minnesota, I actually watched my buddy catching walleyes from 40 feet away. I could I watched the fish come up to his baits. I could watch him set the hook, and I could actually watch him reel them to the surface. Well, you know, out here in Colorado, we, we have some great walleye fishing. We have panfish, but we have the number one fish to the ice here is probably rainbow trout, which tend to cruise a lot. They don't necessarily just sit on structure. What an advantage yep. that would be to see the edges those fishing were cruising along so you could go set up right where they were cruising by. Yeah, I think trout would be, uh, actually, I know trout would be ideal for uh, panoptics just because of the fact that they ride high in the water column a lot, and two, they're always moving. 
Now, we're going to run out of time here pretty quick. We had a limited time on the show today, but I thought that panoptics is one we really wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Now, if you've got an ice fishing friend on your Christmas list, give me a couple Christmas gift ideas. <laughs> uh, let's see. And remember, well, Karen, I... remember, Karen is listening, and I ice fish. <laughs> Karen, I think a Garmin ice bundle with panoptics would make your husband very happy. I, I think that, you know, a lot of the uh, new fishing lines that are out there, uh, a lot of the braids, if you haven't used braids in, in the ice, um, like micro ice and stuff like that from Berkeley, they really do, they're inexpensive, but they really do perform, especially in deeper water. Um, but, um, you know, uh, the Fraybell Fortress, it's about a $350 house at retail. That's another great option. Um, but those are some of the things I would think about. All right. And you know, I agree with you on the line. I use a combination of the different uh, Berkeley lines when I ice fish. I use everything from some fluorocarbon into some braid, depending on the situation. And it really can make a difference. Um, and the last thing, tell people about your upcoming, when does your show start the new series and when, what can we expect? You know, I'm really excited about this season of Lake Commandos. We've got some tremendous shows in the can and, and uh, we start the first week of January. We air at uh, 10.30 Eastern on uh, Sportsman Channel Sunday mornings, uh, which would be 8.30 Mountain Time. And the great thing is the ratings have been superb, and the network has actually given us some bonus there. So we're going to be airing six times a week this year uh, and really having a chance to uh, explain you know, how to build patterns once you get on the lake. The whole format for Lake Commandos is we pull up to a body of water that we have never been before or we haven't fished in many years, and we go out and we try to compete and figure out how to catch fish that particular day. And, you know, what I find on a weekly basis now is there's a big difference between the line you choose, the color you use, the weight of the jig, the speed of the reel. Um, it, it just You start seeing the differences between the, the little decisions that you make, really how do they impact the number of fish you catch in, Lake Commandos is really one of those shows that helps you learn how to build patterns. It's really going to help you become a better angler. We got to run, Steve. But folks, if you want a better, descri- a further description of Lake Commandos, just go to the Denver Post and Google my name. or wrote an extensive article on it. Uh, Steve, as always, you're a great contributor to the show. Look forward to having you on as the year progresses. Well, Terry, I hope you and Karen have a great Merry Christmas, and thanks for the opportunity to be on today. Yeah, well, you too, and you and your family enjoy Christmas. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Steve Panaz, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to the uh, phone, speaking of our partners and sponsors on the show. Uh, we're joined by Darren from A&A Toppers. And Darren, A&A Toppers has been a partner to this show, may be our longest-running partner. You guys have been with us for a long time. How are you doing this morning, Terry? We have. I had a lot less uh, gray hair back when we first started. Well, I think I was only 35. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not. But, <laughs> but, uh. but you know what? It's been a good partnership, and you guys have always had class, you've treated our customers right, um, and you guys have even fixed things for people that went to the wrong place, didn't get it done right, and came you to help. So I've always admired you and happy to promote you. But now it's getting close to Christmas. Now what if I have that truck enthusiast or maybe even an SUV guy that's out there and I don't know what to buy for him, but I don't want to go fight them all. What can I do? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a reason why we partnered up a long time ago, Terry. It's it's a clientele and a customer here in Colorado that fits both of our uh, fits both of our lifestyles, and so we love having the people come in here when you don't want to deal with the uh, with the heavy shopping malls or you don't really know what you're going to get on the internet online. Come on down into the showroom, and we will definitely start start helping you out. We've got. Uh, you know, obviously our mainstay is our covers and toppers that go on the back of pickup, but kind of kind of thinking about some new ideas, and, you know, we've got a cool, you know, stocking stuffer type of thing, and uh, um, the, the, the new flashlights that are out, there's a lot of new camo LED flashlights that are out. We've got a cool Marine Corps buddy of mine, customer of mine, that started a carabiner company called Firebeaner. I would encourage people to look at it. He's a Colorado guy. Ex-Marine, uh, we have them on the shelf. That's a cool little uh, stock and stuff that I would come check out. And what is it again? So it's a carabiner that's called a fire beaner. It's got a fire starter built into the carabiner, and it's got a screwdriver in it. It's got a little blade knife in it so you can use it for cutting. It's a cool little carabiner plus called a fire beaner from a Colorado guy, like I said, ex-Marine. It's a, it's a cool deal to help support help support them. That sounds awesome. Now, what about, you know, the WeatherTech mats? I hear so much about those. Well, that's, I don't want to say no-brainer, but, man, when people say, Darren, what else should I buy? First thing out of my mouth is protect that brand-new expensive investment in the uh, pickup truck. And a WeatherTech liner is, is absolutely the first thing to do with weather turning. And we've actually had some early, early weather here this, uh, this fall and early winter here in Denver. So, yeah, get that, uh, get that expensive pickup truck floor mat uh, covered with some, with some WeatherTechs. I'll tell you what, I've got the WeatherTechs in my truck, and I wouldn't be without them. I get in and out and the inclement weather and just so easy to clean. And, you know, and, of course, I love my topper to protect my gear. But, you know, we're hearing a little bit about a few break-ins and stuff at some of the trailheads. Can you help people there? Oh, yeah, some of this additional storage. You know, we always have to worry about somebody just popping glass and getting into any sort of automobile. In the back of our beds, we have additional added storage, lockable storage, more importantly, that uh, can get those guns and fly rods and expensive fish and hunting gear secured up. Uh, That's a huge deal. We've got them in the bed from our truck vaults and our decked products that go in the bottom of the bed. And then also our cap pack that actually bolts into the roof of the topper that I actually have in mind that I love. That I have uh, I have some bird hunting shotguns locked up and secured in them right now, and that's called the uh, cap pack. Well, you know I keep my ice fishing gear in the back of my truck all the time. You never know when you're going to have to make an emergency ice fishing stop, you know, so you have to be prepared. And it makes it nice because you can keep your gear no matter what you do in your vehicle year-round. It's protected and both locked up and protected. So what else? Give me a couple more quick ideas, Darren. Hey, you know, the one that's cool that Terry is that, uh, that portable jump box kit. So if you do get out on the trail, like you mentioned, and you get that dead battery, we've got portable mobile little jump boxes. They're basically battery packs that you can have for jumper cables. I remember I got stuck a couple years ago. Everybody's got jumper cables, but you need that second vehicle to jump, not with these new jump boxes. When you're out and about, you're, on a, you're out in the elk country or you're back in fishing areas, uh, the jump boxes is something that I would totally, totally kick around. Those things are great. Now, and the last thing I want to ask you about that everybody can use in Colorado for whatever you do are rack systems. Yep, absolutely. We we're way above the national average on racks on our truck toppers. We do a ton of racks. We have a local company, Rhino Rack, here based in Denver that we do a lot with, obviously Thule, Yakima. Um, 
You know, one thing we just did pick up too, Terry, is a new fly rod vault, the new boys out of Boulder called Riversmith. Uh, the new uh, Riversmith company started up this summer, and so we're offering another uh, additional fly rod storage with the Riversmith that you, you need to get a rack on to get that uh, rod, uh, rod ball get up there. You know, people just have to come and kick the tires at your places, so to speak. You guys have so many neat little ideas. Darren, we're out of time, but tell them how they can find you and come and just check it out without fighting them all. Yep, you bet. The two stores here in Denver were actually sudden. I don't know if I told you this, Terry, our 30th year. We are uh, 30 years in business here in Denver. One store in Lakewood, one in Littleton. You can find us easily at aatoppers.com. All right, my friend, uh, hopefully I'll talk to you before, but you have a good Christmas season, and we'll try to sneak in some more gift ideas before the end of the year here. You bet. Merry Christmas to you and Karen, Terry. You bet. That's uh, Darren Lindsay with A&A Toppers. Great people. And you know what? There's so many fun accessories. When I go there uh, just to talk to them or have something work down in my truck or something, I see all kinds of things I buy. Great place to do some Christmas shopping. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back. Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and we're going to talk some more ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones, and we're joined by Ronnie Castiglione. And, Ronnie, the first thing I want to do is thank you for filling in for me while I was on grueling duty exploring the waters in Hawaii, but I managed to get my work done. But thank you. It was my pleasure, Terry. You know, I always have a blast when I come down there and get to be in the studio at 104.3 The Fan. Thank you. Uh, you You know, primarily because I'm a... I'm a fan, uh, uh, you know, listener, you know, I listen all the day long, so uh, it's a lot of fun, Terry. I did hear you took a couple shots at me, and the people on Facebook weren't kind either. They seemed to think that I was goofing off in Hawaii. Well, you know, Terry, I told them you were out there doing the heavy lifted and doing a lot of expert research, but I'm not sure they bought that. No, I don't think they did either. I was all good-natured. Hey, Ronnie, real quick, let's go to your topic. Um, I know you're out in the open water fishing, but I know ice fishing is coming. You're an enthusiast, and you want to talk about some techniques to transmit, transfer from one to the other. Well, absolutely, Terry. We are on Horsetooth Reservoir today, and Horsetooth is still open to boating, so people know. People know. Um, I think next weekend's the last weekend that it's going to be open. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those deals where, especially this time of year, these techniques that we utilize in open water absolutely transfer to the, to the ice. And, you know, the, the guy that gets out there and maybe isn't experienced with, with doing ice fishing, if he falls back on some of those open water techniques that he may have experienced, you know, the, the vertical jigging, the spooning, the blade baiting, all those things – definitely transfer the ice the drop shots transfer the ice so there's a lot of there's a lot of presentations and a lot of skills that you know open water ice fishing it doesn't really matter they're the same terry and it's been my opinion for years that the guy that does both the guy that actually or, or girl spends time out there on the water in open water vertically jigging and doing this kind of thing this time of year when they get to the ice they'll be more proficient and, and vice versa terry you know it goes both ways now what are, do you make some adjustments to those techniques take us through a few and how you approach them through the ice maybe compared to open water you know in general we downsize a little bit when we get into the ice as opposed to open water so if we're spooning for example in open water you know we may be using a half ounce to three quarter ounce spoon maybe down to a quarter ounce when i get in the ice terry i tend to start more in that quarter ounce range and maybe work my way down and it's not necessarily that the presentation that needs to be lighter it's that the rods we're using are much smaller and can't really handle the weight so you know we adjust that we definitely small go a little 
little bit smaller, a little bit lighter. But I, you know, I can tell you this: one of the things I've always done best vertically jigging in the open water is the standard gulp minnow on an eight ounce jig head. That same presentation at Ice Terry has caught the bulk of my fish over the last fifteen years. So you know, I haven't really changed much. It's the exact same presentation. Um, we're working them the same way. You know, we're ripping them vertically and allowing allowing these presentations to fall, usually on semi slack lines, so that they have the ability to glide and kind of pendulum and do what they want to do. Um, but, you know, just line control in general. When I get clients out on the boat and, and I'm trying to teach people to vertically jig, they struggle with the line control more than anything, Terry. Uh, they end up wrapped around the rod tip a lot of times. They end up throwing too much slack down at the water. They end up being too tight to the presentation as the presentation falls. Um, ice fishing is the exact same thing. When you get out there and you ice fish and you're vertically jigging through, through that little hole you drilled there, the same skill set applies, Terry. So, you know, learning to be able to control that slack, understanding the rod position and, and how far to lift that rod vertically and, and how not to really just swing that rod straight up into the air so that the line comes back in and wraps around the tip, but how to lift the rod more parallel to the to the water as you're vertically lifting the jig or lifting that spoon. All of those skill sets transfer, Terry, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that people need to work on. I think the opposite goes, too, the same way. I mean, the other way is that you're so much more in tune because you are using more finesse and lighter gear when you ice fish that it actually makes you a better open water jigging, a jigging person. It really does, Terry. And the other thing it gives you an opportunity to do is a lot of times in ice, you're, you may not be fishing real, real deep, and a lot of times you're fishing in really clear water. And so a lot of times you can really see down into the water and you can see your presentation really, really well. And so, you know, I know years and years ago when I first started ice fishing, that was one of the things. It was like, wait a minute, I can actually, especially when you're in a, when you're in a hut or something like that on the ice, Terry, a lot of times you can see down in the water, you can see what's going on below you, so I could see how how my gulp minnow was behaving on a jig. I could see how my spoon was falling. I could see how my little, uh, uh, you know, ripping bait or my little Johnny Dart or anything like that, I could see how they were behaving, Terry. And that just gives you more confidence when you get into open water. Now you know what that presentation's doing. Now you're much more able to visualize it. It does make you a better angler. Ronnie, I'm going to ask you one quick question. We're going to be out of time. If you, as an ice fisherman, if somebody could buy you one Christmas gift, what would you want? Oh, that's a good question, Terry. You know, uh, you know, best gift that people can get, especially for ice fishers, in my opinion, is a good pair of long johns. You know, a layering system, some sort of some sort of merino wool, thermal underwear, that kind of a thing. Uh, you know, you, you you get cold on the ice, Terry. So anything that's going to keep you warm, I think, is an excellent gift. All right. My friend, I'll let you get back to fishing, and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. And once again, I heard you. I, I heard a rumor from the board operator that you were really on your game last Saturday and did a great show, so thank you. Well, well I tried, Terry. And by the way, I think uh, my buddy who's on the boat has stuck three fish since I've been talking to you. So, uh, horse youth is fishing excellent, just vertically for smallmouth. Uh, we're absolutely wrecking them, so we're having a good time out here today. All right. Will you get back to catching fish? We'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Mike. You bet, Ronnie Castiglione. A couple housekeeping things I want to go through before we call it quits here today. One is, if you listened a few weeks ago, you know that Kirk was on from Kirk's Fly Shop. They have their open house this weekend, and that's where they have all the authors. You know, John Garrick will be up there, Steve Schweitzer. You'll be a number of great authors. You can find it on Kirk's Fly Shop's website. 
Uh, but one of the things they do in conjunction with this day, not only can you buy autographed books from these authors, which make incredible Christmas gifts, but they have a sale going on in the whole store. And if you mention you heard about their sale on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you mentioned my name, you get half off of one item. That means a really high-end fly rod, that expensive pair of waders, half price if you say my name, Terry Wickstrom. So head up there. They're just good friends. It's not a paid commercial. It's just a great opportunity for you to meet and do business with some good people. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Hey, Follow us on Facebook. If you followed Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, you would know that we were going to do the whole first hour with Bob Broshide today, the director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And I'll bet that Karen's going to post that podcast on our Facebook page in case you missed it. That's a whole hour's worth of interview on the rates going up and all the other things with director Bob Broshide. We will put that up on Facebook. Uh, follow our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We have a ton of ice fishing videos on there that were filmed right here in Colorado. There's a hundred and some episodes of fishing all over the world, but the ice fishing is on there. And again, tune in every Saturday from 9 to 11, right here on The Fan for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I want to say thanks to Kyle for keeping me online. Thanks thank for Karen for, so for making this show sound like I'm intelligent. And thank you folks for listening. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on 104.3 The Fan. Mission, baby.